That was pretty good. All right. We're rolling. We're recording. Um, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening. This is episode seven of Modern Guilt. In my brain, I almost fucking tripped up then, and I was about to say this is episode seven of Black Lives Matter, because that's what we were talking about <laughs> before. But that's like, we'd probably be like crucified globally for doing that as three white guys doing a podcast. Um, but anyway, this is not episode seven of Black Lives Matter. No, this is in fact modern guilt. Yeah, uh, and... Uh, I think this is episode 12 of total episodes attempted, but episode seven <laughs> of episodes that will make it to light. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to our rabid fan base, but uh, we lost one episode last week. Yeah. Um, whatever. Yeah. Actually, now might be <laughs> a golden uh, opportunity for me to raise this issue with the developers of the uh, iOS recorder app. Um, <laughs> because I went to export my file and uh, the app crashed. So if there is some sort of like crazy universal force at work allowing the, the developers to be listening right now, this is me lodging a formal complaint and um, I'd like an update on the app, please, to smooth out any bugs. But this time we've taken uh, a pretty ambitious initi- initiative. Not only do we have a guest on for the first time, but we are all recording on two devices at once. So there are six <laughs> recordings happening right now. I swear to God, if, if this one is a, a lost episode, then maybe it's just universal bad luck. Yeah, it could be. So without further ado, that was the voice of uh, our friend Michael Hudson, who is joining us. Hello. Um, Lovely to be here. Yeah, there you go. So um, Thank you. Nice to have you, Michael. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it, fellas. No, no, it's a pleasure. Um so we are sort of treating this as like a dry run, I suppose, for how we're going to go with guests because it's something we really want to do going forward. Um, so for the listeners, um, you are going to be a test for us. So if you think this was fun, tell us, and then we'll do more like this. We're going to try and keep the structure a little bit loose. Um, the only thing that we have organized is for Michael to uh, prepare a little show and tell, but Damon and yeah. I are going to... Uh, not share one this time so you guys can oh. have a break from fucking hearing our bullshit. <laughs> great <laughs> um, yeah but i mean we will have a bit of a shit talk i think just to like warm everybody up and then we'll have a a, a post show and tell shit talk as well like every good primary school classroom <laughs> yeah rip me and my one page of notes to shred oh mate you got a whole page one that's, whole that's page. good that's good going yeah yeah um, yeah. so I guess to, um, to kick us off, Michael, just before we started hitting record, you were saying that you are currently, uh, hiding out in central Queensland in fear right. of the second wave of COVID. I'm terrified. <laughs> and I think that's one of those, uh, universal fears that a lot of people have, but maybe not all of them result to running away from a virus, but currently it's working. Hopefully it stays working. I'm feeling great. I'm alive, and that's what counts. So, for those of us who are um, trapped in New Zealand, can you know, ignorant of all things, 
um, outside of the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we're locked in. Uh, can you give us the lowdown of what's going on? Because I have no idea. So I'm, okay, so to, I'm only aware of the Melbourne sexcapades that led to the, the outbreak down there. But is it oh spreading across Australia? Well, I it, it certainly seems like that. And in it's... It seems from what I've read to be the uh, second wave, as everyone's so ominously warned about and predicted, is 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 coming. And it's almost like what everyone's feared, I suppose. And they're like, you know, you got to socially distance to prevent it. And mm-hmm. in my mind, and based on what I've read, it certainly seems to be the case. Yeah. Um, so the increase in case numbers in Victoria, I believe, is currently higher than it was at any point in the first wave. Mm. Um, And there are now cases leaking over into New South Wales, um, which are increasing again as well. Um, And I think Queensland recorded its first case in a while today. So I think think we're... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're we're inevitably going to see cases leaking out of Victoria, I think. Um, And I think the rest of Australia is probably going to cop it again. Um, yeah, round two. Yeah, but is this all from the sex capades? Like, or is this? Uh, be, is this something else? Is this also like the marches and and everything else? So, just to clarify, I'll start off by saying when Damon says sex capades, he's talking about <laughs> the um the guys in Victoria, the security guards who were outside the quarantine hotels who were fucking everyone with COVID. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it just it doesn't sound real, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is something. Oh, it's so fucking ridiculous. Um, <laughs> um, no, I would I'd hazard a guess to say that it's not all from the sex capades. Um, it was never really completely suppressed in Victoria, as far as I know. Um, there's no evidence that it is a result of the marches either. But I mean, I don't think it's a huge risk to say that there's probably a chance that that was. A part of it. Um, I'm not gonna step up and uh, pretend to be an epidemiologist and understand this, so I'm just gonna uh, take a hard pass on trying to. <laughs> yeah, Michael, do you yeah. have any uh, any knowledge on this that I don't? I, I don't, but based on what I've kind of looked at just by observing the news every you know every day, every couple of days, it, it, it seems like talk of from a lot of mainstream news sources that, oh, this is definitely from these protests. It's definitely been spread by that, has kind of fizzled out a bit. So maybe that notion has kind of been dismissed a bit. Yeah, I know. Now that we've had about a month's um, separation. Separation. From- yeah, I noticed the same thing, that sort of like, uh, gradual just like dis- disillusion of that discourse um yeah. i think they realized that that theory actually has no legs um so they just yeah. can't push it anymore but um because it was so well, prominent at one time yeah it was. Like, it was just people were like how could this happen and i can understand why people would think that but it's one of those things where it 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 kind of was like, oh, I don't think it really anything came from. It. I think what like two cases mm. came in Victoria. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Damon, if you are gonna make the jump uh, to Australia later this year, um, <laughs> which you've flagged as a possibility, then you might be uh, diving into a fresh pool of disease. Yeah. Uh, I just sort of yeah, I want to, <laughs> um, but I just kind of feel like every time I try and do this, which has been several years running now. <laughs> Something always fucks up and destroys my um, ultimate dream of becoming a 
you know, wife beater wearing VB drinking Brisbaneite. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is my dream. You'll get there. We'll make it happen. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, um, it's got to happen. I'll uh, write a strongly worded letter to Peter Dutton and um, explain <laughs> that he needs to expect you at the border. Um, He's one of the good ones. <laughs> oh, sick. Yeah. I, <laughs> Damon, are you familiar with uh, the figure Peter Dutton? The no, great, great no. and powerful Australian man. No. Um, drop, drop some, drop some red pills on me though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peter Dutton is the current minister for home affairs and probably holds the record for um, Australian politicians who's uh, most been called a Nazi um, and yeah. is like personally responsible for, you know, the uh, operations that are imprisoning our refugees <laughs> and oh, all of this kind of shit a, and just takes like great yeah. pleasure in it. What a dog. Eh? Mm. Just evil. So disgusting. Just evil. Yeah. You know, like oh. I think he, he'd probably be up there as one of the most in, infamous um, po- politicians in Australia with like, Pauline Hanson, you know, just absolutely almost like just outspoken xenophobia. Yeah, yeah. Not even masking it because they know that no, their base just no. fucking froths it. Um, yeah, yeah. They're just... Not even like, oh, we got to have Australian values or whatever, and mask it as you know patriotism or whatever. He's just like, I don't like it. You know, it's so obnoxious. Eh? Like, uh, I, I was reading this thing the other day about um, Oklahoma saying that a large swath of Oklahoma belongs to um, the Native Americans. Yeah, I saw that and too. Yeah, yeah. And that they, something like they, they have to abide by like the federal law as opposed to the state law, which probably is, um, I don't know, maybe less lenient. I'm not sure about what like Oklahoma state law is, but I know that the Fed is like probably more right wing than some of the left leaning states. But it just sort of got me, like, how unjust it is that there's so many people that are currently having to live under, like, effectively, like, the colonial hangover rule of law that never wanted to partake in it in the first place. And then this, you know, these motherfuckers have the audacity to, like, shit on other people coming here and just trying to make a living and claim that they're, you know, original Australians. Well, yeah, it's one. sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it's one of those things that, like, I don't think there's such thing as an original Australian, even if your family was here from, like, 1770 onwards. Unless you're Indigenous, I don't think you can really be considered an original Australian. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you hit the nail on the head, Damon, because, you know, Indigenous people are effectively living under military occupation still, um, and people don't really compare the cases directly, but this is essentially, like, what's happening in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank with Israel just slowly uh, occupying and building over Palestinian land, um, regardless of whose land you think it originally was or should have been or whatever. But, you know, we do the same thing here, but it's just um, framed completely different in the media and, like, the popular perception um, because we don't use guns and, uh, you know fucking kill people but we just have like far more subversive methods of achieving the same end i want an opt-out state eh? i'm fucking sick of it i want like one of those multi-billionaires to just go buy like a little you know i don't know create some fake island somewhere (laughs) out of plastic and i can just go live in their like libertarian wank fest and just uh, turn just turn the (laughs) the great pacific um garbage island or whatever just into a sovereign state yeah that'd be sick man honestly i've been reading walden and like getting really anti 
anti the state i feel just <laughs> more and more and just bitter about the fact that you've got to abide by like you know this arbitrary set of rules some of which are good like you know but a lot of it is kind of pointless and you never really signed up for in the first place um yeah yeah i think for me i'm um increasingly seeing new zealand as my opt-out state i um (laughs) when i moved to australia about a decade ago i felt as though i was never going back um and now i'm wondering if young hayden might have been a little bit naive (laughs) yeah and i think he was or i was um well it's pretty chill i think it's boring but in a good way you know, it's... Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's boring if you're yeah. fucking shallow. Like, <laughs> I think um, yeah. stuff is boring when you're not interesting. You, do you know yeah. what I mean? You could live in, like, bumfuck nowhere in central Queensland like Michael right now. I don't even know where <laughs> he is, but, like... You I'm could... not disclosing my location. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunker. It's hidden. I've got yeah, enough yeah, food yeah. for six months and no one will come and take you. They, um, oh, good man. See, like... <laughs> Michael could live there and like if he's an interesting person he will find ways to not be bored. He'll think yeah. or like produce something or fucking whatever. Yeah. So like these like 20-year-old idiots in New Zealand who think like there aren't enough nightclubs so the country's boring can just yeah. suck a hundred <laughs> dicks and be more grateful for what they have. And I think it's one yeah. of those things where it, it's that I think that just comes up to their personality or lack thereof where they only really do look forward to getting trashed on a Friday night or whatever, and they don't really have much in the way of hobbies or anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, when when, uh, your level of interest is completely reliant on, like, externalities or your environment, Mm. then I think you're in a pretty dark spot. (laughs) Definitely. I think that's just a a, a terrifying place to end up and a terrifying way to think and live your life. Like, just being reliant on so so much like superficial stuff to bring you joy you know absolutely yeah ah shit man it's getting real yeah yeah uh that's fucking true i agree with all of that Uh, maybe this should be the last guest episode we do because it's just getting too dark (laughs) (laughs) damon and i alone are bad enough but yeah add a third to the mix and (laughs) well i was under the impression that this, we were just going to revel in just how sad, like, the end of the world is and how there's nothing we can do about it. So I'm sorry oh. that I'm bringing such a dark tone. No. No, 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 it's good. Um, on that subject, I saw Will Smith and his um, <laughs> wife, ex-wife, or <laughs> I know, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. I the don't entanglement. know at all. Where the fuck are you going? Do you not? Oh, man, this is fucking sad and tragic. <laughs> oh, okay, so. blow your mind, man. Yeah, Will Smith and his wife Jada, um, for whatever reason, decided it was a good idea to sit down and live stream or live broadcast, like, um, Will's complete cuckoldry <laughs> by Jada to August, like, some fucking rapper who's, I don't know, he's young, eh, I thought August. he was, like, maybe, like, early 20s or something, but I think he might be a yeah. teenager. Who, sorry? This fucking rapper, man, who's, like, friends with will smith's son who cucked will smith um but you know just it's just a uh, it's just a fucked up story of like how his wife basically cheated on him with with like yeah a teenager or someone in their early 20s that they had brought into their house okay to, oh never mind uh, never mind he's 27 years i'm old. sorry can you please uh, 27 can you please pause for one second who was this rapper 
Do you, his name's August? August. So, I, ha- I have never heard anything of his. And I mean, if you haven't, I think we're, we're two pretty... We know, you know, a yeah, fair right. bit of that music. So, like, and yeah, I, I've I, never I, heard I, of this fellow. August somewhere or other. I don't fucking know. I've never August Alcino. Okay, right. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, a Louisiana uh, rapper. So, I, I just want to, like, summarize to make sure that I'm following this correctly. So, w- yeah. Will and Jada Pinkett Smith live-streamed a couple's therapy session during which she confessed to fucking her son's friend. <laughs> Is that what happened? That's, that's basically it. But it's worse than that, man. It's not even couple's therapy. It's literally her just, like, looking with the coldest, darkest eyes into Will Smith's, like, face and just <laughs> announcing how she, like, basically didn't give a fuck and fucked his, like son's friend you know and like passes it off as an entanglement which is the funniest word ever the entanglement Um, aspect is just so funny that she just calls it an entanglement as if you know it means nothing yeah i'm and okay so that happened um and i i know that maybe people are gonna wonder why the fuck i care about celebrity bullshit because i normally don't um but the just as a follow-on to that story, um, 50 Cent decided to join the fray yes. and was, like, dabbing brutally on him and was just, like, posting all these videos of, um, of like, him, like, reaching out to Will, being like, yo, man, why does your wife say it's all good for anyone to blow her back out live? <laughs> what the fuck? Just to, like... Like add more insults. So there are oh, man. so many layers that I love about this. Oh, dude, it's incredible. Where is, um, is but the, where can I see this stream? The video is it still on? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I saw like, parts of it on YouTube through like some these people were doing a commentary of it. and They showed a lot of it with their um, thoughts. Um, but I haven't been able to find the full. Oh uh, my video, god! But I'm sure there's clips. Imagine how yeah, much I found some six minute ones. Right now. Well, it just really showed me, man, like, no matter how rich and successful you are, if you're a slave to attention, yeah. then you will just be so morally bankrupt that you it think is. that it's an okay to, like, drag your entire family through this. Man, it's and this one of those what... things that's just so universal, hey? Yeah. Oh, totally. It's like, it's just so sad to see the demise of celebrities who like, like money's not enough. You just have to like fucking live stream your grievances. Um, this is for the world to weigh in on and like to the detriment of your kids, man. man. Can you imagine like going to school and be like, Oh yo, man, I saw a fitty dab on fucking on your, on your dad. Oh. It's one of those things that just needs to be private, you know, like people, it, that doesn't people don't need to hear about that you know yeah because yeah, they it, don't it ultimately it just is not to the benefit of anyone in the actual family well i just try and wonder what the headspace is that you'd have to be in to be like could you imagine your girlfriend basically cheating on you like with a i i mean at our age it wouldn't make sense because it would yeah. be like they'd be a pedophile but um you know, and then just being like, oh, I know how to resolve this. Let's, like, live stream it to everyone we know. But let's also, <laughs> you know, be one of the most famous um, people on the planet. So there's definitely going to be an audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just want to, like, you... jump in and say 
I've been, I'm like looking at uh, photos of the Smith family on Google Images right now <laughs> that have been taken throughout the years. And it, like, you know, hindsight is 2020, but they just look so dead inside. Yeah. I think their family oh, yeah. has been suffering for so long. Like, oh, you just need to look at Jaden Smith as the embodiment of human grievance, like, just made real. <laughs> and, like, it's fucking incredible, man. I would advise anyone to just do a uh, Will Smith family Google image search and spend a few <laughs> minutes, uh, you know, flicking through and enjoying yourself. Um, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a couple photos of Will Smith that have been floating around. I don't know if they're recent, obviously. I think that they could have been from anywhere, but some of them, he just looks hollow. Like, he looks so defeated. Yeah. He's just empty. <laughs> He's empty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can kind of understand why, but, I mean, he must... I'm sure everyone's going to be jumping on Jada to, like, you know, talk shit on her. But also, like, if you're in the headspace that you think that it's cool to, like, go live with your grievances like that... Yeah. Um, you can't be a very mentally well individual. And that's clearly reflected in, it's in like, so, what's it's happening. You know? Just for attention, you know? I think it's one of those matters that just needs to be private and sorted out in private. No one needs to hear about it. But once you bring it to that public auditorium where suddenly it's everyone's business, everyone knows about it, it I don't think you can really solve it properly and, and meaningfully. Do you reckon it's like a cultural issue? Oh. That, that's, that's like more... More and more, you're just going to see people being like... Because I've seen it on TikTok, man. My mm. girlfriend watches TikTok all the time. And I've seen her show me videos where people are like, my boyfriend just went and did this, and it is so fucking rude. Fuck you, asshole. And just like, why would you need to say that? Or there's all these other videos of like family grievances and like, you know, people... For, for, for me, um, it's, it's the same thing as those like vloggers on YouTube that are just like the most superficial family vloggers and they're like, they're, say like they film their children and stuff, you know, have a camera ready 24 hours at the ready just in case they say uh, something that could be entertaining, which I think is would in the long run probably horribly detrimental to that child's growth. But yeah, like uh, it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't it it stops becoming an actual thing that is like oh yeah our, our son's losing his teeth he's becoming a, he's growing up whatever and then it's like shit get the camera we need to see this people we need like some action and it, it it stops becoming a meaningful event and begins being a like you know for viewership you know oh what can we and then it it slowly starts being manufactured like oh what what else could we do to keep the attention building and building and building and then yeah i, I don't i think it's pretty yeah. detrimental on the uh health of a young person shit yeah i feel like the addicts you know mm. it just no, seems like definitely. an addiction it's well yeah. can you imagine like being a you know right now being like a 12 year old girl and youtube's only been pretty popular for the last yeah. decade so Imagine yeah. having a camera in your face for as long as you can remember, and then for another ten years, like all your awkward moments, like growing up and stuff, and then going to high school, and someone can find this five-year-old video of you, you know, wetting the bed or something like that, and then just you know, mercilessly making fun of you because your entire life, there's no privacy, your entire life is on display. Man, that's so horribly dystopian. Oh, um, I, I, it's, it's like. <laughs> It's like Big Brother, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, I like watching Big Brother, but it, when you think about it, it's like, why am I watching these people's, like, day-to-day -day interactions with each other with no 
conversation. You know, like, this is... It feels like something out of 1984, and it is. Michael, you, know what I mean? you I was just about to say that. You took the words out of my mouth, man. Like, there is that uh, idea in 1984 that um, once you get to a certain point, Big Brother doesn't have to police the population because the population pleases itself. Yeah. Um, and we're at the start of it. Like, you can see it oh, in absolutely. the social justice movements and all of that yeah, happening on social media. Um, the doxing on fucking Twitter is so outlandish Oh, my right God. It's just With scary. That 13-year-old boy, did you hear about that? No, what happened? Oh, there was this 13-year-old boy, and he commented something like you know dumb like a, a child would do i'm not excusing the behavior but for for a 13 year old that doesn't know anybody you know he probably did think it was funny you know what did he do did he drop an n-bomb or something? yeah he dropped an n-bomb but like it was like guacamole blah 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 peanuts which is like it, it's not it's not funny but you can understand why a 13 yeah. year old would think it's funny just because it's controversial and you know so random but yeah this I can't remember who it was, but it was this actress who called him out, called this child out, and the parents lost the jo- their job. Oh, you're joking! That's disturbing. Eh? There you go, 1984. It's here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Michael, it's time. Yeah. Show and tell. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. So sorry, I, I just googled it, and the uh, lady that did it is Sky Jackson who is an actress, who it says here on Urban Dictionary is famously known for doxing minors on Twitter. Oh, good. (laughs) I think she is also known for a lot of uh, Disney Channel films and uh, television series, it says here. Yeah. What a fucking parasite. If that's that's what you do with your time and you feel good about yourself, I think there's something inherently wrong. Yeah. The way that you think. Fucking hell. Questions to ask there. Um, yeah, Michael, what have you got for us, man? Just um... So I want to talk about something that I've been getting into that is, is really interesting to me, and I don't know if you how interested you guys are into it. Um, but obviously during quarantine, we've had a lot of time to enjoy media, and so I've been going through and watching the films of producer Jason Blum. Jason Blum. It sounds Jason Blum. Familiar Have any of you guys me. heard of Blumhouse Productions? Oh, I mean, I've heard of it from Red Letter Media um, and the stuff that they cover. I maybe have seen one or two, but yeah, I'm keen. I'm keen. Yeah, so I, I, I yeah. picked this topic because I thought it could probably, hopefully, lead to some interesting discussions about, you know, budget and and engagement and stuff and do you really need a four hundred dollar budget to make a, a popular film you know well yeah. do you mean and I, I wanted to f- a four million dollar budget what did i say sorry you said a four hundred dollar budget <laughs> yes i mean four hundred million four hundred million okay cool yeah makes sense which cool. right like, yeah no i know jason blum movies yeah seen, so like seen a few i was just thinking you you remember uh, a couple of years ago maybe 2018, 2017, there was that uh, DC film, The Justice League, okay. which had a, a budget that was listed at something like, you know, 400 million or maybe even 500 million. It's one of those <laughs> things where the, the budget that they list is an estimate and it's probably much more once you put marketing and advertising in it and everything. And yeah. I, as a lot of people probably know, it notoriously bombed and people just hated it. Right. 
to the to the point where people want to petition to get it like remade with the original director and all these fanboys <laughs> like harassing people, which is just another story, which is you know how toxic um, fan culture can be. But anyway, back back to this Jason Blum. I think he kind of proves that you don't really need um, all this money to make a lot of mo- make a lot of uh, return. Um, so I wanted to talk about uh, a film that he released this year that was originally scheduled for last year, and hopefully it can engage in some lovely conversation. I hope so, at least. Um, yeah, so it is called The Hunt. I don't know if you guys have seen it on ads or billboards. I actually haven't. Um, I'm glad no. that you're bringing it to yeah. my attention, though. Oh, that's that's good. No, I, I haven't either, but um, it, I'm checking it out right now as it's, we speak. It's one of those things that I, I think majority of people would have um, checked it out because of the marketing. Because you look at the cast and there's a, a couple of names, but majority of it is minor actors or even no names, you know? Hilary Swank? Yeah, who's, and who's like the, the villain, but oh, wow. only in it for like 20 minutes at the end, really. Yeah. And is But the presence is filled. And, you know, maybe that could be attributed to they only had the budget to have it for so many days or whatever. But yeah. the tagline on the poster is, it's the most talked about film of the year. Is it? <laughs> That's what it says on the poster. Decide it was originally sched- It was originally scheduled for release September last year, but published and pushed forward to March 2020 because the studio decided to delay the film after two terrible mass shootings in the US, the Dayton and El Paso mass shootings. Was that this year? Last year. Last year. Yeah, so it was okay. sep- September 2019. It was originally going to be released in- around that time. They were like, yeah. we, we probably don't want to have this movie about people killing each other. So the, the film is obviously just mired in controversy. How much of um, that is actually real or manufactured is, you know, up for debate. It, it, it's yeah. one of those things that could be, it kind of coasted a bit off it. It's uh, how gruesome and controversial it is. When, but watching the film, it's not really that controversial. Um, so basically the film follows... It's these uh, rich, like left-wing um, nutjobs who kidnap these right-wing nutjobs and hunt them for sport, which sounds like an absolutely dreadful film. But I I enjoyed it to some extent. You know, I, I thought it was interesting the, the way that they did it, and for having such a relatively small budget, it, it looks pretty well. It lo- it looks pretty good. Like it's well shot. Like the effects are you know, pretty good. It's not something like, you know, Sharknado or something that would be <laughs> yeah. a television film, you know? So a spokesperson said when it was slated to be announced, they said, out of sensitivity to the attention of the country's recent shooting tragedies, Universal Pictures and the filmmakers of The Hunt have temporarily paused its marketing campaign and are reviewing materials as we move forward. Mm. And, like, in the trailer, it, it's, like, it's just gruesome. On the poster, like, it says in, yet like, big letters in the center nearly if you look up the post you can see it it says um the most like controversial movie like they really and then it has the original day which is september 2019 crossed out and next to it is uh march 2020 to say oh watch out this what they didn't want you to see or you know and it attacked that really reminds me of do you remember like those early 2000 sex road comedies Oh, like Euro trip, Euro trip, sex trip, yeah. like American Pie. Um, how they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they'd always have yeah. like the DVD, and it was like uncut what they didn't want you to see in cinemas, featuring two yeah. minutes of extra, uh, extra content, which might just be like, you know, 
a, a half-naked woman's chest and maybe a, like a racy joke or something, you know? Yeah. Nothing too major, but that's what it reminded me, um, to me. But this film, it, it starts with these people who have been kidnapped and they wake up like gagged in this arena. Like it's like a field that is a lot like, it reminded me a lot of the Hunger Games and there's like a, cr- a crate of weapons and they, they're like, not much is said, and then they start getting shot at, really, and it really goes from there. Yeah. Um, already looking into this a little bit is fascinating, because I don't know if it ever made it to air. So, sorry to interject. Oh, no, 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 please do. Um, I have a conspiracy theory that I've told Hayden about before, and again, I can't remember if we actually ever, if this is in one of our lost episodes, but I believe that... Uh, my, well, I don't believe, but I suspect that... Disney and other larger, um, you know, production companies are manufacturing controversy for the oh, purpose of promoting their movies. Marketing, because, yeah. Like, yeah, man. Like, the reality, and I've been sucking into this all the time, like with Wonder Woman and Black Panther um, specifically, when it was just like, and Joker, you know, yeah. it's just like everyone was trying to manufacture controversy. It was like, it just sounded like these pivotal, you know, pieces of cinema that are coming out to challenge, um, you know, I don't know, whatever narrative that was currently dominant at the time, like right. um, having a strong female-led character for the first time ever in Wonder Woman. It's like, Honestly, what? if you look back on it now, that was like, what, 2016, 2015? It seems so bizarre yeah. that nothing like that had been there, you know what I mean? And it did take that yeah. film and the controversy behind it to bring something like that to mainstream audiences. Well, yeah, I guess it's like controversy yeah. that had happened before, and then someone was like, "Oh, we can do this now," and just kind of like stoke the fires yeah. of hate to push our shitty Marvel movie. Because I got sucked into watching Wonder Woman, man, and it fucking sucked. And I got sucked into watching Black Panther, and I didn't like it either because no. I just don't like comic book movies. Yeah, like, they're for babies. I fundamentally don't enjoy it. It's not for me. But every time I start reading the news, and it's like. Oh, you know, yeah. you won't believe what incels said about Black Panther. And it's just oh, like, if, I can imagine. if you don't go see Black Panther, you're racist. And it's just like, what the fuck is this about? And then I go see it. I'm like, there's nothing progressive here. No, this is just a shitty comic book movie. It, like with Black Panther or Wonder Woman, it's like they just take the formula and they're like, oh, it's in Africa. We've got a POC cast where in reality, it's just the same storyline where the good guy yeah. wins at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It like, did feel vaguely offensive but i wasn't sure how a lot a lot of those uh superhero films are literally just the same like kind of like superhero origin at the beginning and then they have a villain and they beat it and it's it's like a very color by numbers plot that is in, in all of them and speaking yeah. of you were saying about joker and the controversy around that i think that was a bit more there was a little bit at the beginning but especially after it came out you really heard about Oh, this is such a controversial film. People are either going to love it or hate it. And if you hate it, you're, in, you know, a Nazi incel. I mean, if you love it or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's straight white male, blah, blah, blah. But with this, yeah. it felt like all of that momentum was before it had even come out. That's hilarious that they've done and, this. this. And then the as soon as it came out, I heard nothing about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had yeah. to seek this film out myself because I was in, and only because I liked um, a couple of the other Blumhouse films that were pretty low budget, but 
like kind of rock. Um, were you aware of its original title? <laughs> yes, I was about to just say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the yeah, original yeah. title of this film was Red State versus Blue State, which is an extremely <laughs> on the nose uh, reference of what the film is about. Uh, and what, if, what a weird sort of like premonition of where we're at right yeah, now, right? Exactly, and it it really is just very telling. Like it's it it almost seemed like in a ne- a ne- negligible way. Sorry, that um this film was made to stir hate and be controversial among its audience. You know what I mean? It didn't. It felt very superficial. Mm. I'm so down to watch this now, yeah, purely yeah. because I love Honestly, the fact that I don't, I don't, I don't want to give the plot away too much because it's, pre- I mean, it's pretty boring, you know. It's guns go boom, etc. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, they do take quite a few jabs at like both sides, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was going to be very like pro guns, anti left, pro Trump, all that, but it, it's balance is pretty in the middle. Like, there's a lot of jabs that eat both sides, and I think one of the messages maybe that they were trying to bring out is can't you see that you're both like you both there's aspects of both sides that are a bit too far you know what i mean yeah for sure well, they're the same people man like, yeah it's 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 like <laughs> and it's almost absurd that it's like i was thinking about it they're like they spent all this money to do this like murder death tournament when they could have just um, been like, we'll just use this money to better social issues, you know, give education to communities that need it. Yeah. Like the, the message is like all the money that it would have cost could have gone to better places instead of this petty, like, Oh, he said this on the internet. I need to do this in retaliation, you know? Yeah. But we know that that's not going to happen no. because there's less money to be made. Yeah. So, right. Well, um, you know, I just want to point out that, in terms of uh, money to be made, this movie hasn't even recouped its budget. Um, no. no. So that's interesting. <laughs> I thought that was big. Be- I think that might be in part to it coming out in limited release in cinemas because it did come out in March, which is yeah, when that, that'll do it. coronavirus happened in the US. So maybe that doesn't account for digital streams or anything like that. You know what I mean? I think, I don't know. I think if it came out in September, it probably would have made its budget back, if not more. Hmm. Because I have I have a list here of some other Blumhouse uh, productions, which are pretty noticeable. Uh, notable in when I say them, you know exactly what they are. Yeah. You'll be like, oh, so the first one here is probably the biggest Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Right. Okay. Do you I've guys remember? Do you remember when that came out though? Yeah, it caused a big stir, right? Yeah. I, I think hysteria. Jason Blum is quite. A genius when it comes to marketing movies no i agree i agree yeah. i think it's a really good formula where it's low budget pretty unknown actors and but enjoyable scripts for the most part and over the top special effects and everything and i think when you have a smaller budget uh which is going toward acting and actors big names you can kind of spend more of the money on like what people want to see you know like explosions and action and and have a better script and pay more attention to the marketing yeah totally yeah and taking like a more i don't know if it's a cynical point of view but taking a point of view where it's like you know you you know what people want they want yeah action distraction and no definitely yeah yeah and i i think in regards to this this film 
It's literally 90 minutes long. I think it might even be a bit shorter with credits. It's 90 minutes. Yeah, shot so in the arm. It's some, yeah, so you can, literally, you can literally just put put it on, watch it, and it's done. It doesn't, like, outstay its welcome. It's just very, your little quick fix. Because literally I was watching it and I paused it to see how long it was until the actual hunt starts. And it's probably about 10 minutes in. So it's a very enjoyable, you know, sit down, watch it. It's done. You kind of forget about it. But for the minds of these producers and the people making it, it's like, if it's shorter, we can get more people in sessions. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, you know, an Avengers or something that's two and a half hours long. You can only have, you know, 10 showings a day with this. You could have 15, you know? Well, I definitely agree with you that there's too much. Well, I'm, you know, not being fully aware if that's your stance, but I definitely think there's way too much money being poured into those like massive big. Oh, absolutely! Buses. But they make However, money though. Oh, they make money, yeah. and I've heard that a lot of that's like tax write-off uh, um, for larger companies that they can right, just right. like claim fucking everything um, as a tax write-off. So when it says like five hundred million dollars to produce the movie. I would be suspicious whether it's actually half a billion dollars or mm. whether they're just like pouring fucking tons of money in there to write it off um, right. and then just redistributing it throughout the company, you know? Mm. But I also could be wrong on that. I know that they're like, regardless, even if it's like a hundred million dollars, it's still fucking It's a lot of money. And I, am, like, <laughs> but you, I think it's one of those things where it's like, you look at those Avengers films and you look at like the top build actors and they're like the Robert Downey juniors and the Chris Evans and everything are getting $50 million a film, which is like uh, when we've reached a level where these people are getting paid to stand in front of a green screen, wearing a green motion suit with all green sets and they have to react to things basically that aren't there and they're getting paid so absorbently. It's, I don't know. Is that really cinema? I, I know there was a, a bit of a critique by someone saying that these superhero films are more like theme park rides where not, it's all kind of fabricated just to, Didn't you to enjoy it. I think, yeah, I think, I think it was. It was him. All right. I will fucking go completely against pretty much everything I've said and say, fuck that. Because, you know, if you take value from watching those movies, then no one really is in there, you know, has any say to come that, that you're not allowed to take value from it. Let people enjoy things. Pretty much, man. Yeah. If the deepest, most meaningful experience of my life has come from watching Marvel movies, then whatever. You know? <laughs> like, I can, I'm not... Yeah, I, I, I yeah. actually agree with that. Like, despite the fact that I don't like those mm. types of green screen movies or, like, fucking Avatar <laughs> or whatever, um, yeah. you know, I would never go so far as to say that it's not film. Um yeah, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I think you could just say it's like, it, it's a type of film. It's not necessarily what I like or what I want to make. Like, he could have said that, and then he could have been like, but it's a different art yeah. than my sad period drama where I get all the actors and de-age them for three years. Well, you I, know? I reckon Martin Scorsese should have gone fuck himself. Like, it's fine. It's just, a, it is just a different art yeah. form. You yeah, know, it's a different type. Of cinema. I don't think Scorsese was necessarily critiquing it per se, though, was he? Just rather saying, like, I calling a spade a spade. Like, um, nah, he was legit, like, 
there's army from Shunema. Right. I thought it was one of those things where right. maybe it was just a quote yeah. that he said in an interview and it was taken out of context. Be- Probably as well. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> um, the comparison between those films and a theme park ride is actually really accurate. Yeah, uh, I agree. It is just a, a series of like sensory inputs, <laughs> right? Yeah. This... But isn't everything? Like I saw Freddy got fingered um, and actually found that to be a lot more interesting than some like arty films i've seen and when i thought about it more i was like oh, i could actually almost extrapolate this as some uh weird take on like the standard hollywood f- movie whether or not that was tom green's original purpose for it or not you know mm. um who fucking knows and like you know you take you can get profound insight from taking a piss. So, you know, art is where you find it. Exactly. It's what you make of it. Yeah. And it's what you think it's what you want at that time. Does that make sense? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, back to this Blumhouse, though. Like, if you look at some of their noticeable hits, I think in parallel to these superhero things that they kind of forced to be a franchise if that makes sense they kind of force it well you can't see the new avengers unless you've seen the captain marvel and then because that's a film about oh, women, yeah. people might be hesitant to see that's like, a that's a stuff. smart strategy really right no absolutely i absolutely agree but if you look at these blumhouse films a lot of them are like franchises like paranormal activity had like 10 sequels they also mm. did the purge which has like five movies and a television show um Recently, they did the Halloween remake, which, I mean, that's a beloved horror icon. Um, Of course, that's going to do well. And they did a film last year called uh, Truth or Dare, which is one of those films where they kind of make, they base it off like a game and they twist it. And I actually, I I enjoyed that a lot, actually. And, oh, sorry, I was just going to finish and say, recently this year, they did uh, The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss, which you might have seen. Yeah, you yeah, might have seen it. It was, crazy. like, everywhere, and it's one of those things where it's, like, if you think about it, it's a movie from the 20s that they might have just gotten the license for on the cheap and changed it in a way that's actually pretty interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad that someone like Jason Blum out there, to be honest, doing this yeah. and not just rehashing shit. No, absolutely. Yeah. Like, putting a spin on things and actually doing interesting content where whether or not you think that The Hunt in particular is interesting, um, a lot of his other films and are something a bit unique and a bit different you know yeah oh yeah and the more people making shit the better you know Mm. yeah definitely fundamentally yeah sorry hayden (laughs) what were you gonna say before uh, we cut you off i was just gonna say um it's really interesting to sort of like picture yourself in the position of a jason blum or any film producer for that matter um and trying to find the perfect middle ground between making like sort of uh, easy to produce and marketable products and still scratching your creative itch or whether yeah, or not definitely. scratching your creative itch even remains a priority because yeah. as a sort of romantic creative type, I find it so hard to imagine myself trying to sort of appease these like commercial film interests. Um, and I'd love yeah. to see how like the the industry or the system kind of just like changes people or forces them to do that. Or whether or not you do have to have that kind of like commercial instinct to even become a successful producer in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It's seen across a lot of industries. Um, and I feel like I've got a few friends that have 
wrestled with that to some degree, but ultimately, you know, get kind of, I don't know, like first depressed at the fact that people kind of just want to consume shit to distract themselves fundamentally and then come to the realization that that's not a bad thing that's just life and what people do you know yeah so you you can balance trying to make stuff that only you enjoy or stuff that other people enjoy Mm, and i mean i don't know the uh the green paper lubricant probably makes a huge difference, yeah, right? Definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, a, I think a book can be a book, whether it's something to read on the train that's just light entertainment or it's some big thought-provoking thing. And I think film is a art medium in the same way. Yeah, man. But it's... my I really enjoy, like, weird old movies and art house stuff and yeah. classic literature. Um, but I do not think that that is in any way artistically superior to Harry Potter novels, no. uh, Marvel movies and, you know, reality TV. It's just Definitely. not because it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. And you just get enjoyment <laughs> in different ways. You know what I mean? I, I'll watch a fucking yeah. four hour sad Russian black and white drama any day, but also I'm sitting down to watch big brother weekday nights. You know, I like these, um, yeah early 2000s raunchy sex comedies because it's fun to just flick it on you don't have to think about it you know oh totally and it's like a you know it's a real dynamic like Mm. anything that uh shows how people live is valid i am i think i'm gonna uh pivot us for a moment here and just sort of uh (laughs) what's the word uh appease my own base instincts and just okay share my excitement that I've started reading Don Quixote. Um, oh, right. <laughs> and, yeah, like, I already told you, Damon, that I was going to start reading it. But yeah. fuck me, is it exciting and fun to read, man. I'm, I've am i really? only read, like, the first three chapters, and I can just already see how it set the benchmark for what, like, a modern adventure story is. Um, Damn, like, I'd have to get onto it. Yeah, for the Modern Guild Book Club. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's actually um a nice little business idea there. Hey, you can uh, subscribe and we'll post you the books with a markup of sixty percent. Um, <laughs> little doodles on the inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, for for anyone who isn't familiar with Don Quixote, um, because I guess it's maybe it's very famous, but still probably somewhat obscure to the mainstream, um. It is a Spanish novel written by uh, Miguel de Cervantes. I have probably butchered the pronunciation because I can speak a little bit of French, but fuck all Spanish. Um, However, um, so it was written at the start of the 1600s and is often labelled sort of like the first contemporary novel as such um, and pretty much set the parameters for what a, a, a novel should be (laughs) um as crazy as that sounds like that actually did have to happen for modern authors to know what to do um and the the book is i mean i obviously haven't even read it yet and i've not read a plot synopsis either because i want to just enjoy it but it's about this um self-deluded uh sort of man who's around the age of 50 who decides that he wants to become a knight and just uh, fill the stereotype of what a knight should be and what a knight does. <laughs> um, so right. yeah. he he creates 
this delusion for himself and seeks adventure. Um, and already it's interesting and hilarious. There's compelling action. Uh, and the sort of depiction of the characters is really human, um, which is just, yeah, incredible. I'd fucking recommend it to anybody. Does this suggest that the um, midlife crisis was never, is never like, you know, isn't a recent invention? I, but uh, a long-standing issue of the pain of growing older. Yeah, I think that's maybe a good point because um, I hadn't thought about it exactly in that way, but I had similar thoughts because in the in the preface to this book, um, which is written by the author, um, he talks about having conversations with his friends about the sort of um, superficiality of adding a kind of academic end notes and annotations and sonnets by renowned people um to books which was like a popular practice at the time even in novels um and that kind of frames it as a really um hmm, trying to think of the right word here sort of just a superfluous and unnecessary kind of like um factor in society that a lot of people engage in but it hints that it hints at the idea that the author and his friend group were maybe a bit jaded with that kind of thing and were undergoing somewhat of a crisis of their own because um, they hung around noble people and wealthy traders and all that kind of stuff. And um, the book was written and presented to um, a noble person where the author lived. So it was produced as a gift. Um, and yeah, I think that our theme that a midlife crisis could be in there is probably pretty true. That's really interesting that they did that. That sounds like there's been a lot of media that I feel that I've touched on that, like books and, you know, film and whatever else on how at a certain point you're satisfied and then you have to deal with the rest of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm. and it's bleak. I was wondering if that's like a modern trait that's happening as well. Like the more satisfied we get, the more we nitpick over like stupid issues or dive into yeah. fantasy worlds. Definitely. Well, maybe it's an indication <laughs> that the hierarchy of needs is not as uh, concrete as we thought. How so? Well, um, more and more people see more and more of their sort of immediate or concrete needs being fulfilled um in the contemporary age i suppose and uh somehow we do invent new needs or new problems for ourselves um and oh, but, right. but maybe we're actually looking at it from too rigid of a standpoint you know yeah. um maybe the fact that we are putting these concrete needs ahead of maybe like our for lack of a better word spiritual needs or um kind of philosophical development um might be a part of the problem yeah well everyone needs validation you know and if you can't get that easily you'll probably invent shit to you know validate yourself as having some form of meaning or something and go chasing windmills doing that whatever that is actually you know, is the phrase that's what most of melbourne's doing isn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah you're right um is the phrase chasing windmills can you explain that damon um well that's like the whole point of don quixote is that he's like running after windmills uh as because he thinks they're giants or something i don't know i haven't read don quixote i'm just yeah right tilting at windmills is the the expression and i know that it's originates from don quixote because he was like chasing windmills um cool to, that's what i know, go after imaginary problems is the whole point yeah that's what i <laughs> thought might have been um <laughs> what might have been it i just hadn't actually heard it before but i was like oh that's funny you say that because he has beef with some windmills too um yeah 
yeah. There you go. Um, maybe we should try and uh, pivot away from media uh, somewhat. I mean, not media per se, but, you know, art. Um, yeah. Damon, got any, uh, got any economic juice for us? <laughs> economic juice. Um, fuck, man, I've been staying pretty much... Well, before we started chatting, um, I was telling Hayden that I'm largely staying away from all economic stuff because I feel like the world looks like it's about to enter into some weird collapse with like your guys' second wave and then the mm. second wave in the States There's... and oh, the sorry. shit shows going on. Um, it, right. it, it, so did you guys in the New Zealand have, you had a, more cases, but that didn't lead to any. No, we're good, man. People oh, are right. everywhere. Although, um, as mentioned before, I got brutally sick. And I know a lot of people that got like brutally sick. Uh, with something, some yeah. weird fucking cold. I because um, that happened to so, me. I, I remember I was listening to the episode while I was in bed, just floored. Yeah, right. it, yeah, it was, was so bizarre. Maybe like a month ago now, three weeks ago, I was so sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a little disappointed about that. Um, I don't know. I I just there's so much uncertainty in the world, man. Like I I'm staying the fuck out of the markets. I pull all my money out of all my investments. Um, I'm completely liquid right now. I'm just staring and watching and like seeing what's happening i just can't look at what's happening and think of it think that any sort of ultimate progression is going to happen from here um i've heard a few people say that this is going to be a, like a great equalizer and we're going to have greater uh equality like wealth equality after like corona and fucking everything else but i don't really see how i find that yeah. really hard to believe in the short term <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah. Really I think I honestly think that the benefits of the sort of uh, unrest in social movements that we're seeing right now will probably be felt in 30 or 40 years. <laughs> um, oh, shit, yeah. I think, like, sure, society is getting woke and we're starting to realize that a lot of shit is um, not quite the way that it needs to be to help uh, the majority of people, but it's going to be a fucking long, slow grind, man. I think until we, uh, yeah. until we do see that equalization. Yeah. I don't think they're we're even moving in there, man. I still subscribe to like Ray Dalio's empire collapse theory that, you know, this is kind of like the death throes and the changing of the God and, you know, Asia's specifically China is probably going to take up and, be the uh, the dominant superpower mm. yeah I, I just don't see how like we're, you know there's any coming back from this well speaking of the rise of china um michael what are your thoughts on um the recent announcement from the australian government re the um 270 billion dollar arms build up that's fucking real there yeah i i think it's i honestly had to like read it like the articles about it a couple of times just because i, I just didn't really understand it. I think it's one of those things where I think, yeah, we're at the beginning of the end of the, the great United States empire. You know, I think they really are coming to the end of their power reign and we're seeing the transfer of power over to, you know, superpowers like China, uh, industry manufacturers like Korea and Japan and India as well. And I think it's going to be a more Eastern focused, um, at least century, you know, mm, I, I agree with you. Um, and like in that context, do you think that that sort of 
this policy of Australia maybe tethering itself to the United States as it sinks is... Um... I, I think it's really detrimental. I think we really need to re-establish our place geographically and with our allies and think about who's going to be the dominant power in 50 years. Who should we not rely on, but who should we cement relationships with to ensure that we benefit, you know? See, I I have the same mindset, and but I have... A hard time kind of reconciling that with the idea that maybe the CCP is as evil as people make out. Now, I mm. I find it really fucking fascinating, and this is something that I like. I mull over a lot, like probably a, a sad amount. Really, it's probably unhealthy. But yeah. like, I don't right. think that like people are fundamentally evil, right? And I don't think that the the CCP is full of two hundred thousand guys who all like hate humanity and the West. I think that like on an individual basis, the vast, vast majority of them are probably good people. Um, But it is so hard to keep thinking that when you see the actions of the Chinese government towards their own people and the rest of the world. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, I find it really difficult to identify the line to draw between um sort of seeking closer relationships with China um, and resisting what seems to just be really fucking inhumane policy. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I still think it's absolutely bizarre that there has not been a lot of attention. There was kind of this period where the Australian government's like, no, we're, we're starting to cut ties with China. We're supporting Hong Kong, and then they just kind of silenced a little bit. It's almost like they were backing away from these announcements, you know, when China was threatening to pull money out of Australian industry that they had, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it is, sorry, just quite worry, worrying um, when you can see these things happening in China, especially in Hong Kong, and things that have happened in places like Tibet, currently happening in Xinjiang, yeah. to the Uyghur people, and even now, you, you're seeing um, conflicts with India. You know what I mean? They're and, all disgusting, though. Yeah. You know, I, I find, like, the states as disgusting as I find China's policy. I agree. I, I just think there's no superpower, no. <laughs> air quotes, um, that is not built on, like, a foundation of human rights abuses mm-hmm. and um, just discussing intervention into other countries like heavy policy intervention i don't know it's just the whole thing bothers me so much that i just want the i want the opt-out nation mm. switzerland yeah so yeah, yeah. the one that just that, says fuck it fuck it the, all. the modern like guilt trash the trash island in the pacific the modern yeah, guilt the trash island. yeah we need to um, to hit up boyan slut and uh strike a deal with him they're like don't be recycling this trash bro like build us a, a pontoon nation yeah, um, <laughs> sticky tape together. Yeah. yeah, Peter Thiel was already looking at doing that. He really? like wanted to start some little floating like nation. Um, you know, I don't know what would be involved because he's like a slippery fuck as well. Um, yeah, why are all these people but... shit? <laughs> like anyone that tries to form a micro state is just some sort of <laughs> scam artist, right? Well, if I, you I had. Think... If you have that idea as something that you want to do, I think nine times out of ten, they're probably a bit detestable. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep, some um, kind of ego or some kind of complex to be like, nah, fuck it, I'm forming my own state. Yeah. It, well, fuck, I'm keen, but, you know, mm. I'm just. Maybe you're the one. I could buy like a ten. few blades of grass and that's like it. I actually. That we can all stand on. I saw a really interesting reddit thread once and i would probably struggle to ever find it again now because i can't remember the proposed name of this place or even what subreddit it was on but basically this really short-sighted individual posted and said hey i want to get a group of people together to crowdfund an island and make our own state and like had a loose budget planned out um and pretty much like a what he thought was a methodology that they could follow to just yeah, establish an independent country. Um, mm. And in the comments section was, was a really interesting microcosm of the way humans structure hierarchy and organization in right. society. Because yeah. you saw from like the conception of an idea through the ironing out process in this sort of like dialogue and right. saw how fucking messy and shitty it was and how like, how, yeah, how people behave yeah. towards each other throughout that. We're, we're yeah. doomed to just fall into a cycle like that, hey? I think we may be. There's right. been a few cases of guys... I remember coming across a forum where this guy had, like, absconded to Chile, um, Chile, whatever, uh, and bought a farm and, like, was trying to recruit other people to come live on this farm with him oh. and, like, a like a self you know, sustained community yeah, right. or whatever. Nah, and I know, like, for a fact it's happened before, like, in multiple different places where people just, have done that. I feel like just nine times out of ten they turn into, like, a cult. Exactly, man. There's always... Because you, you get that mindset, you're isolated, and you get that mindset, oh, thank you to the founder, and then eventually that becomes, wow, the founder saved us, and then you have that reliance, you know? Well, it's because of this, man. To do that, you have to have a lot of get up and go, right? Like, you can't just be some average schmuck who's you know just sort of plodding along and stuff you have to really want to do it you have to like actually with your own hands fucking go somewhere with your own money and like build something yeah and from the ground like, up as well from the ground up right? there's yeah, no exactly. infrastructure. yeah and then you're gonna be like all right yeah i'll get people along and you know like 70 percent of people are gonna be lazy twats and sit yeah. around and just kind of fuck about and so you're going to probably get this ego trip. It's like, ah, oh, well, no, they're definitely. lazy, therefore I deserve more, and I've yep. done all this incredible work. Like, I think the more achievements you have, the more it goes to, you know, your head. So it's just this, you know, and people don't have the um, cerebral power to, like, do metacognition, self-reflection, and action all at the same time. Like, you can only do one in short bursts. Hmm. So it's just going to, like, yeah, it's always going to fall apart. I think. I think that's... <laughs> probably accurate but i also wonder if uh by nature we want to follow someone i think so do you think that uh yeah i mean actually yeah come to think of it i'm reading like sapiens at the moment like wow crazy that i would be reading that book um (laughs) how how atypical of me um (laughs) but yeah i mean they, they talk about how in all primate societies there is like you know an alpha and that's just how yeah we structure ourselves so like i guess in these isolated societies right we um start to organize and naturally identify someone to lead us um and that becomes the most capable or maybe charismatic person 
right? And more often than not, that is the person who started a project like that. Like you say, Damon, they have like so much get up and go, so much ambition and like, to be frank, so much talent that yep. those are probably really attractive traits, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people like that, like everyone, we've all met one, you know, like someone who's just like some gnarly high energy um crazed individual i don't think they have the power of self-reflection and doubt like self-doubt tends to hinder progress more than it pushes it on i think you're right Um, about that damon i think like you and i might even be thinking about the same individual when we say that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so yeah that is a an interesting um thing i think also the um that inability to I guess, conjure self-doubt maybe breeds like an entitlement, right? Um, So not only is it like, look at these lazy fuckers, I've done all the work, they need to follow me, but it's just like, well, I'm good enough to have achieved this and why wouldn't they follow me? Yeah, man. Um, I think that's entirely right. Sorry, Kerry. No, no, I mean, I was basically just finishing up my thought. Yeah. Um, Um, I think until we can alter the brain... um, and like fix it how fucking stupid it is <laughs> we're just going to be doomed to repeat these cycles. oh absolutely like, walden no, spelled it out yeah i feel like in walden when henry thoreau was like you know we can make palaces but we can't make more noblemen i was like yep that's pretty much it and then ray dalio's like adding to that whole theory of like you know people go like every nation and you know conglomerate of people will work really hard, find an advantage, um, you know, take advantage of that, grow to a certain size, get fat, lazy, and stupid, and then collapse. And it's just like, people are always going to do that. And you only have to have one or two good days uh, in the stock market at the casino or getting, you know, flush with money that you didn't have before to realize how stupid you get when you've got riches. Yeah, absolutely. You know, (laughs) like it just... I mean, like, drunkenness, man. It's intoxication. Like, there's a there's a different mindset. Like, the day before you get paid, and you're living on ten bucks, and the day after you get paid, you you're more inclined to spend shit on dumb things. You know, act probably more irrational, irrationally. And I think that's one of those things that is just like hardwired. Like, oh, I've got the thing that I didn't have before. I have to use it, or else it'll disappear. Yeah. yeah, as someone who is um, on JobKeeper at the moment um, and may or may not have just bought some like $200 shoes that I don't know if I need, <laughs> like I can, I can uh, vouch for that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Living proof. It's funny though, you know, I just think you, the moment you step back and you realize that you're still like an animal, um, yeah. with an overly developed language and rich cultural history uh <laughs> still still a primate so fuck yeah it. we're chimping out <laughs> um i watched a movie recently uh called american honey have you guys seen of or heard of that i have heard of it i haven't seen it but i've heard of it and it's one of my friend's favorite movies but i've never got myself to watch it i just i don't know all i know of it is that uh poster and it just always kind of looked mm. boring to me so so um i never really checked it out i've been wanting to check it out but it, the poster just really did bore me 
Mm. Yeah, same with me. <laughs> it just looks like it, the poster just makes it look like a coming of age film. Well, yeah, I think I can change your mind. All right, <laughs> um, all right, all right. I'm gonna get get into it. Um, Wait. So, I was recommended it uh, by a friend of mine named Bertrand, who is like an insanely interesting dude, and I actually want to maybe get on the podcast eventually because um, he has like a lot of. Uh, fascinating thoughts on the world and is probably one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. And <laughs> actually come to think of it, he might end up listening to this. So that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah. Anyway, there you go, Bertie. That's what I think of you. Um, so anyway, American, <laughs> American honey. Um, it's set in the sort of flyover States in the U S um, and, and follows a female lead character named Star who is essentially just at rock bottom in her life and has nothing to lose. And she joins up with uh, a busload of traveling magazine salespeople uh, who all work for commission and drive around the Midwest and the South pretty much trying to rip off customers. And (laughs) like I view the whole thing and I hope that, some listeners and you guys watch this and so you might know what I mean, but I see it as like the whole movie represents sort of social rot and the fact that we've peaked as a civilization and we're, we're stagnating now and we're kind of in this, I mean, not to reference Trump, but in this swamp um, (laughs) where we can't fucking help ourselves. And there's this really poignant scene at the end of the film where um, this group of magazine salespeople dance around a fire and it really evokes like prehistory imagery. You know, you can imagine like these humans trying to uh, partake in some kind of like proto spiritual activity, like 150,000 years ago or something. Um, and it's really difficult to try and explain without kind of without you guys having seen the film. But mm, I could, oh fuck! Now I'm forgetting why we were even talking about this. What were we talking about before American Honey? Social rot. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> you kind of summed it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, essentially, like the degradation and the fact that you're just not going to be able to, you know, ever have a functioning society because of yeah. primate brain. But also, yeah, definitely. That I think the West has kind of peaked and it is kind of rotting away. Yeah. yeah. No, um, definitely. So um yeah. That film is a really interesting metaphor for it in my opinion. Um and that kind of coming of age element that you see in the poster is definitely in there, but I think that character um as corny as this sounds serves as sort of a metaphor for the human experience or for humanity broadly. Um in the sense that we've entered this period of stagnation or social rot but we're still feeling the full spectrum of the human experience and every day people feel love and lust and horror and sadness and even at the end we're still gonna be feeling those things in what whichever form and whatever the context is um so yeah i would um highly recommend that film as well another thing that i found really interesting about it is that it's like three hours long and even even (laughs) what Even watching, no, okay, Mister Four Hour Black and White Russian Drama. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, watching the film is almost—it it almost made me feel like I was trudging or wading through a fucking dank environment, and it was like a struggle to get through. 
and it it's a real sensory overload there's a really like obnoxious soundtrack uh often the dialogue between characters is like uh talking over one another or there might be three or four people on screen talking at the same time um oh. and it's it's actually oh. a harsh experience um that's great yeah no it is and <clears throat> i felt tense the entire time and i watched it in three sittings because i needed breaks um <laughs> yeah that's tough. and um I, oh, okay. I hated almost every moment of it, but at the end, I felt really powerful, powerfully moved. Man. It was. You've actually really you've, you've made me want to see it now. Just for there the you experience. go, man. Yeah. Well, it, it yeah, it seemed like something that I wouldn't really be into. I wouldn't want to check it out. But yeah, I, I might have to check it just for that then. Um, does it have any overlay with your experience of growing up in Christchurch? Because for those who haven't been here, Christchurch to me has always felt kind of like like a city post industrial and it's kind of like it's got some gnarly social rot there's some interesting history here that i feel a lot of people aren't privy to like for a short period of time we used to have like nos bars um that you could just kind of go and like hook yourself up to a tank for five minutes <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> and just like bliss the fuck out on nos. um and the city's always felt like the, yeah know, those bars have always decay. existed in one form or another um yeah. <laughs> little like um sinful pit stops um for the broken yeah. individual but um yeah it, it actually come to think of it, it there was a bit of christchurch in that film um but weirdly enough the relevance to christchurch that i identify in it is actually positive in that yeah. in living in Christchurch, which for the majority of the time I was there, I felt like was a, a city that actively ruined my life. Like I felt like it was my enemy, you know, like it was that heavy for me that I felt like it's ten Fuck. it's tentacles fucking were trying to drown me the entire time. Um that's how everyone I know feels like within our friend circle that like grew up. Well man, much. that's why Except the ones with tentacles ruining other people's <laughs> lives who are like this place is fucking shit. That's why you need to uh, fucking skip over the pond into the disease disease fucking basket that is Australia ASAP, man. <laughs> um, yeah, sick. I think even through all of that in Christchurch, uh, and even though I don't even have that many close relationships with people from Christchurch anymore, there were moments of humanity there which were pretty poignant. And I think like the darkness of it all and the fact that you are in the midst of all that social rot uh, magnifies the beauty of those. Um, mm. And I'm naturally really pessimistic. Um, but, you know, no matter who you are or where you are, you still have those moments. And I still have some memories like that, which are nice. Yeah, that's cool. I've always wondered if that's like what makes that. Like I know Christchurch seems to have this like decimated or it feels like a decimated um, working class or something like there was industry here, but it left. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, the same thing in Australia. Um, maybe you can weigh in, Michael. Like, there's got to be, like, you know, the, obviously there's the major urban centres like, you know, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and whatnot. And they kind of feel stable and fine and, like, everything's hunky-dory um, and people are free to complain about, you know, niche issues. Um, they have the, <laughs> the you know... The liberal experience of being able to um, <clears throat> be annoyed at things that don't really feel like they matter as much. Whereas there's decimated towns. Oh yeah. In Australia, like oh, brutal yeah. ones. Oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like this is gonna sound like an over exaggeration, but like places that literally look like they're out of Mad Max. 
you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and yeah, they probably are, they are really regional. So of course they can have that feel, but like also from a socio, uh, like so, sociology stance, like the demographics have changed greatly. You know, people just leave it. Yeah. Maybe that's because there was a boom 20 years ago. There was all this industry that came dried up the resources and left, or if it's seasonal work, I know for a fact, if you drive through some areas, Maybe you drive through them in the summertime and they're alive. There's heaps of people out in the streets, very busy. But if you drive through it in the wintertime, it's just dead because there's no, nothing to do. There's no, uh, jobs at the moment and it's all, you know, seasonal. I remember going to Nowra. I don't know if you've been there, but it's like just north of New South Wales. Um, and it was like fucking purgatory, man. It was like, like just like this weird little town. It were like, you know, how do you spell small- that? N O W R A. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just by Jarvis Bay. I don't know if that's a reference point. I went there when I was like quite young, quite a lot, because my granddad used to live there. Right. And he's just used to live in this like horrid purgatory type existence of people kind of like mulling around, not really doing anything. Like it's like gummo or some shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's a great descriptor. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like everyone looks kind of like weird and like a little deformed. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, there's, like, no money. Like, exactly like you said, everyone's left, yeah. and everyone yeah. who's stayed is resentful. Yeah, they just um, hate it, and they want to get out, but they can't, They and they never will, you yeah. know? It's like they're literally stuck it's, in between uh, their past that they want to live in and the place that yeah. they're going that is inaccessible because they don't have the resources. Yeah. I mean, there's a they lot don't of... drink for fun. No, there's a, there's a lot of <laughs> places, like small seaside towns and stuff, and I wonder if you guys have this in New Zealand where there's, like, huge towering, you know, um, hotels and stuff, and then a street away where there's no beach view because they're obstructed by these big monolithic, you know, uh, privately owned hotel chains and everything, and then there's yeah. these just shacks. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. maybe people live, maybe they don't. I Like, you'd never see a light on inside. Maybe it's because they don't have power. Maybe it's because they don't live there. You know, you never know. And it, yeah, yeah. It, it does show the wealth disparity in those areas pretty pretty well, I'd say. There's a really interesting sort of uh, political dynamic at play here as well, where the regional areas, particularly with the death of Australian manufacturing, I believe, yeah. um, are obviously really hurting for jobs and infrastructure and just basically spending of any any type um and the the governments or the main parties on both sides in parliament understand the need for this um but for some reason it's just not coming while at the same time they sell a lot of regional areas on the idea that um mining and fossil fuel industries are going to provide the jobs and growth that those regions crave um where in fact often those industries actually actively degrade um, obviously not just the landscape but those societies because no definitely uh, there's so much development that happens directly a result of that fluctuation in industry and then as soon as uh, a particular area is kind of exhausted of its resources or it becomes inefficient to extract whatever resource there might be in that area, it's just abandoned. Yeah, um, and, and suddenly you have these hollowed out kind of societies and local economies that where there might have been hundreds of employees um, using the local services or buying things um, who are suddenly just nowhere to be seen. And the, those uh, regional areas are not really um, left with any alternative because the government just doesn't give a fuck. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. 
You, you, honestly, honestly, Hayden, you're spot on there with that, mate. Honestly, I'm I'm not going to give my the location of my bunker away, but the area that it's located is it, it's literally that, and you've described it to a T. Can you um yeah tell me how far away from Brisbane it is? Because I reckon I can guess. I'm not going to yeah, guess. I, I'm not going to do it. I just want to know, like in my own head. Like Hayden's going for the dock, so <laughs> <laughs> finally, um, it's it's a, a seven hour um car ride, about eight maybe eight hours depending on. Traffic. Holy shit! Yeah, you are rural, bro. I think yeah, I think so I know where you're at, actually, dude. <laughs> yeah, I think you could. It's it'd be if you're an Australian listener, especially if you're a Queensland listener, it'd be pretty easy to figure out because it's a pretty um well known industrial area that basically thrives off its um in dust industry or lack thereof mm. i wonder how much of this as well um is that you don't really have the freedom to do nothing with your life uh unless you become a societal outcast and mm. the shame of your family and friends <laughs> in like the west because i feel like when i was uh stroking my wanderlust dick around indonesia um, you know, going to, like, little rural fucking villages. And this is totally me, like, just waltzing into these villages with no contact. <laughs> so I'm probably a massive dickhead, and you should probably ignore everything that I'm saying here. But I'd go to these, you know, like, very obviously impoverished communities and just look at them and be like, oh, everyone looks so happy and they're smiling. Why does the food sting? Yeah, yeah. But Where's I've... the takeaway? Where's the challenge? <laughs> well, there was a lot of that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they just seem so much happier. And I always thought yeah. that if I was free to kind of just do nothing with my life and not have to justify it to anyone, then I maybe people would be less resentful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of those people in those poor communities, you know, it's like, like a national embarrassment is almost kind of like the mood mm. that you feel. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and is it like that in New Zealand? Yeah, fuck yeah, bro. Yeah. Oh, dude. All right. You know Wellington, right? Yeah. <clears throat> So I was working with some guys last year um, and I went out to uh, have dinner with one of them and he lives on the edge, like maybe like a, probably like an hour and a half out of Wellington or something like that. Right. Um, in this very small community. I actually can't remember the name of it, um, but it just, it was really bizarre to go out there because it was like a, it was sort of like a community that had clearly um, collapsed like a when bit like was, a satellite community yeah, yeah 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 it was like quite wealthy and then it collapsed and then a lot of people left and then it was like very dilapidated and now people are starting to like move out there because wellington's so expensive to live in mm. um but it was weird that you could definitely feel that sort of leftover like like hungover resentment at the gutting of the community was this like and upper hut it's beyond upper hut <clears throat> right it's further out okay yeah it's like huntley have you I don't know if you've ever been to Huntley, but Huntley's like another one where it's just it, basically, man, the entirety of New Zealand's like that. If you're not in Auckland, uh, Dunedin, or Wellington, and you know maybe if you're in an ice spot of Christchurch, you won't notice as well. But like, if the moment you go out into like these little regional communities, mm. they're fucking gnarly, man. Yeah, man, real gnarly. Literally, despite being so close to New Zealand, like the majority of um the these regional areas that I've seen is like from like those New Zealand films, like boy, where they're just like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's like one store. That is exactly what it's like. Boy yeah. does such a good job of showing how like nothing to do. Like fucking. Yeah. Well, that's like proper shit. You know, I feel yeah. like in those little rural areas of New Zealand, it's pretty bleak, man. Like life yeah. isn't that good. 
um you know unless you're into that which more power to you well yeah the weird thing is a lot of people yeah. are right and like this is just mm. us revealing ourselves as like fucking inner city elite dickheads like but i mean i had i had yeah. my aunties uh my auntie's husband both of whom are now passed away but like they lived in kaikoura which i wouldn't be found dead in living there um oh i fucking love kaikoura are you serious that place is lit it's because you surf though yeah true yeah. um and yeah there's nothing to do like, with otherwise. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um dude would just go into the mountains for like three days at a time and just come back with a pig <laughs> and like lived his best life you know what i mean I mean, that's pretty sick, though. I'm sure it'd be a sense of freedom, and you know, yeah, because you're basically be. off the grid. I don't know where it is, but I'm assuming it's fairly remote, and it, you'd be off the grid, right? Well, yeah, once you pretty much. once you head into the bush, you are for sure. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of stories of like the more rural New Zealand you go, the places where there's like one cop and you know, like. 2000 people living in the middle of fucking nowhere it gets very it's not lawless but no one cares man yeah like cops i've heard stories of people being pulled over drunk and being told to like just drive home you know don't do it again sort of <laughs> just thing. a little bit I don't scary know um there is a yeah. really interesting series michael that well i mean both of you would probably enjoy it but particularly for michael if you want to get a sense of how remote and sort of odd new zealand can be uh called paradise um oh. where elizabeth elizabeth moss um plays a detective and oh, puts on no, her, no I, i've heard of this yeah yes. she puts on her um, best i think it's New called Zealand something accent. different over here um it, yeah. it's called um top of the lake over here i think oh actually i'm so sorry it is called top of the lake but yeah it was um, on sbs but it's set in a place in new zealand called paradise my mistake yes oh um, okay right okay so, i thought it had a different name um there was an australian uh sequel so that's season two that aired on sbs um, oh right as far as i'm aware but um paradise is i think about a four-hour trip further inland from queenstown wow right is it a real place yeah it is damon you should it's like a big it it's a big lake it's a big lake right and um i remember watching it and i was i, I remember seeing um that they i've only seen the first two episodes and i didn't really watch much of it after that mm. Um, but I remember watching it and being like, this has to be like the southern tip of the South Island or something, you know what I mean? This has to be far away from humanity, but that's really interesting. It's, it's only four hours. Well, I mean, everything is only four hours away in New Zealand, really. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean... Shit gets pretty weird in those little communities. But like, honestly, yeah. like, um, Paradise is probably about as remote as you can get. Uh, it's, wow. it's a dead end. You know, um, yeah. if you go from if you're having, heading to Paradise from Queenstown, I don't, I literally don't think there's anywhere else you can go once you get there. Um, right. So I mean, I don't know what the population there is, but it would be maybe a couple of hundred. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in terms of people heading there, I don't know why you would, you know, unless you were visiting someone yeah. there. Well, you got something to hide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You hate people. You know? Yeah. But, um, um, <laughs> that that series I know is directed by Jane Campion, who is one of the only um, New Zealand women directors that I know. Oh, really? And I know, yeah, yeah, I know a lot of her films that she's made about New Zealand and stuff do take place in these remote areas. So I have to check more of that. Oh, that's super cool. I might also um, have a look at her more of she, her work. I know she won. She won a Palme d'Or. True. Like at the yeah, yeah, yeah. For I think. Oh, I maybe I'm mistaken, but. I know she got a really prestigious award for her film, The Piano. Oh, which is, yeah. Which is, yeah. Huh. And that's, 
I know I was always under the impression that that was like the go-to New Zealand film, like you know, something like Picnic at Hanging Rock would be to an Australian audience. Right. Yeah. There you go. Man, those movies are always so cult. I feel like everything like that touches on classic New Zealand media is like cold and kind of rural yeah. and vaguely English, you know. And it always makes me feel like just kind of sad and a really um, you'll mm. never be happy again yeah. kind of way. Like Boy just was sad. Man, oh, I so felt awful. Guns. I know it's supposed to be a comedy, <laughs> yeah. but it's you look at these places and you realize that these people really don't have any other option. They've got nowhere else to go. They're going to be stuck in this menial, boring life in the middle of nowhere forever and just yeah. get really depressed. It's fucking really tragic, man. And I just, I don't know, I just can't stand it. Like, it yeah. it bothers me so much. And I watch a lot of disturbing shit. Yeah, no, me too. I think I that type of stuff really is awful. Like, I mean, I know with Australian films as well, you, if it's like an Australian film, it's either going to be like some outlandish comedy or it's just going to be a sad, miserable, suburban drama. You know what I mean? Well, with like, may- maybe with a murder or something. There's more camaraderie, I feel, in Australia. I, and please, someone can prove me wrong on this, but I've always felt there's more camaraderie. Oh. Whereas in New Zealand, it's way more social isolation. I would, you know? Right, really. I would say both, Damon. I would say yeah. there's uh, more disparity in Australia between groups of people, but amongst those groups... It's really tight knit. Um, yeah. Whereas in in New Zealand, I feel as though um, different demographics can connect more easily. Um, but are maybe uh, what's the how to put it? People are more easily disposed of, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah it's easy to be an outcast. Here, yeah. I think. Exactly. Yeah. I think in Australia, once you're once you have an in group, you really feel it. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's really hard to crack those. I found, particularly when I moved here. Um, yeah. Have Have either of you seen the film Snowtown? No. Uh, it's It's a really, really, really good um, movie from maybe about a decade ago about um, the body in the barrels murders. Who oh. is like was a real a real murder um, case? Yeah, so it's from 2011. This looks good. It's really good. If you want to see like what life is like in like just the lowest 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 um societal group in australia that is and like especially growing up in that like pretty poor community mm. that's clinged in one of those outside um state uh uh communities like that one that you're talking that's just out of wellington it's really good i think it's south australian so i think it's it's adelaide just outside of adelaide yeah and it i, I don't, i'm not gonna really spoil the movie or anything but Basically, it's how these people just like cling to this maniac because they they don't really know any different. They like don't have a father figure, and they um they they go and just cling to him, and then they start you know help him cover up, cover up and do various things. It's That's cool. it's really yeah, I would love to check that out. That sounds yeah, fascinating. Really, really interesting film. It's and it's it's one of those things that it's one of those sad suburban um, misery porn films that I was kind of talking about. There's a, it's almost like a bit of a, a genre where it's yeah. like just bleak, and you just like want to be like, oh, I've got to go watch cartoons after watching this because I just feel nothing. Like you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen um, Come and See. No, Come and See, <laughs> which is a, a Belarusian film. Yeah, you might you I might have seen the poster. So. It's got a, a, a really young boy with a gun to his head on the poster, and it, it it's it's one of the most harrowing things I've ever watched, and that's one of the things that I can really compare it to. 
Oh, yeah, no, I've seen this around, yeah. eh? Yeah, it's really good. I, I saw it in the cinema and it was fantastic. So I, that's my two recommendations. Um, I've heard it's. I've heard it compared to Threads. Yes, yeah, when you were talking about <laughs> Threads, it's it, that's what I was thinking. It's one of those things, but it's, yeah, it's it's horrible. So those are my two recommendations. Mm. If you yeah. just want to feel nothing, Snowtown Sick. and oh, uh, I feel, Come and See. I feel nothing on a daily basis, bro, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really glad that you recommended Snowtown, though, because I've actually had mm. a feeling for a long time that uh, Australian society has some really distinct, um, maybe let's say urban subcultures, which I think yeah. are just ripe for more media attention in terms mm-hmm. of the perfect context for film and, and art and music uh, that I think yeah, gets man, really sure. overlooked because it's super interesting, I find. No, and the, these areas, I mean, on the, the outskirts of the major cities here, like, you know, um, West Sydney, North Melbourne. Um, Caboolture. Caboolture like, in the south side of Brisbane of are, like, really interesting and a lot of really interesting people around there. And I'm yeah, sure there is just a limitless amount of interesting tales that you oh, could tell absolutely. in that setting. Um, yeah. Or the mining culture, man. Like Wake and Fright did a really good job. Oh, of touching fantastic! On it. If if you ever want to, like, yeah, that's that's what I imagine people would. If they watch that, they'd be like, no, I don't want to leave my the city if I'm on holiday. Why would I want to go to the outback? You know, I kind of wanted to go just to go slam some purse with a um, shooting yeah, kangaroos. Well, no, I wouldn't want to go shoot the kangaroos, <laughs> but like. It did appeal to me in some respect that, like, going to some small, shitty town in the middle of nowhere in Australia and then downing some booze with, like, you know, a bunch of miners and shit would be an enjoyable subculture to experience. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, New Zealand is small, but you can get away. But if you think about that and you scale it up, Australia is pretty big. So, like, say you're in the middle of nowhere, there could be, like, 10 hours before you see another town or anything if you're yeah. how remote you know and and it's not like there's you know woods it's just nothing which is even more scary yeah totally and you can burn your reputation i feel in a couple of those towns yeah and like move to the next one and just burn it there and yeah. not you know have and, repercussions of and a lot of people do man <laughs> like um, <laughs> there i have heard uh what may be possibly exaggerated stories of people hopping between some of those regional towns like it's the fucking wild west man just like (laughs) dudes driving stolen cars delivering meth just you know arriving at their destination burning them going on a three-day bender whatever like just on to the next place like yeah because it yeah people were that fucking um alienated man it's so it's so remote that almost no one cares because people kind of do just stick to themselves they don't want to get in anyone else's business i've literally heard the same stories i remember when i was in bali and i was i befriended this alcoholic um from perth and he was telling crazy shit like that about like he's like oh yeah used to sink like a liter of vodka a day go work in the mines and then just fuck off and rip some cunts off you know take a bit of meth well, he always called it gear, and I, I never knew what that was uh, well, until someone told me that it was meth. Yeah, but, but it, um, it's like speed. It's um just miscellaneous <laughs> white powder. Not <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. like, Don't ask what yeah. it is; it'll do the job. Mm. Yeah, he, it was astounding. Like the stories that he had, you know, and 
he claimed to be sort of like one of the mellower characters in his little <laughs> fucking troop of degenerates. But um, I completely believe that people do that. You know, I, I wonder what our fascination with those types of tall or in fact real tales, you know, why people gravitate to that. I, I wonder why the Australian audience um, gravitates to things like that, like, you know, Wake and Fright, um, Snowtown, things like um, Mate, An- Animal Kingdom, I've... those kind of just really depressing about poor <laughs> rural areas. When you live a low stimulus life and you go to an office every single day of your existence and for the next 20 years, it appears that that's all you're going to be doing. Mm. Um, I can imagine wanting to like flood my brain with. What do you think? It's so it's it's some type of morbid escapism. Well, I think I have a theory on this. I think that um, a lot of Australians, and I mean, I feel as though this would probably be a pretty unpopular view in amongst most people, but like I'm going to say it anyway. I think a lot of Australians carry a lot of like intergenerational trauma, Um, Mm. and I think because this was a country that was colonized um, and because it was settled largely by convicts and slaves um, and then followed up by the settlement of a lot of migrants who suffered their own trauma um, and other people who come here looking for opportunities and find that maybe they're not as rich as they believe they might be. I think the amalgamation of all of those things uh, yeah, leads to a society where a lot of people carry um, experiences with them that they might not be aware of, but do hurt and are painful. I think that makes sense. Um, and I think that when they see media that frames that more explicitly, they find that really therapeutic. And I think it's kind of like a collective healing, um, mm. if that makes sense. No, definitely. I can I can understand that. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, this literally depicts what you can feel, you know, that, that kind of just despair, but there's nothing that you can really do to get away from. Well, that's a good yeah. note to end on. Mm. Um, we're at nearly two hours. So Jeez. by the time Sick. I edit this down a little bit, we'll probably have a, a good, lengthy, hearty podcast. Um, that would be good. Any quick hits right before we end? I think... Recommendations? Really quick, I don't really have any quick nah, hits. No, nah. no. Yeah, any recs. I, I think we've we've done enough, man. I think we've um, yeah, that's true. It's we've entire thing's been covered there, a yeah. lot of ground. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first of all, man, thank you, Michael, for joining us. No, it's, thanks for having me. I really appreciate. It's been that. fucking fun. It's been a good. We'll have to do a chat. snow yeah, retrospective sick. soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, man. We can uh, maybe do a uh, a little film club. <laughs> we can go That'd away and good. watch some of these and have another um, yeah a debrief. Um, yeah, man. To anyone who wants to reach out, hit us up with some feedback or recommendations for topics of discussion, you can uh, join our subreddit, Modern Guilt, Modern underscore Guilt, rather. Um, you can email us, modernguiltpod at gmail.com, or you can hit us up personally, um, although we're probably both becoming gradually more and more detached from social media. Damon, you'll no, be proud definitely. of me, actually. I just deleted my Facebook app and Twitter. So there you go. Oh, good man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, I fucking can't stand Twitter anymore. It's just, I hate it. I hope it's a cesspit. Yeah, it needs to be um, <laughs> horrible. by Satan. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thanks for listening. This was episode seven of Modern Guilt. <laughs> Um, this has been a blast. 
thanks for the continued support. It's really nice to hear people uh, giving us some encouraging feedback and hearing on a weekly basis that new people are checking it out. Um, subscribe, review, share it with your friends, do all that shit. Uh, put your money where your mouth is. Or not your money where your mouth is, but uh, <laughs> just help us out, you know? Love yeah, yous. Man. All right. Listen to Ad 8 and stream no time. Yes, yes. <laughs> True, yeah. Listen to Michael's show Ad 8 uh, on 4 Z digital. It is still digital, yes. right? Yeah, it's still digital. There you go. Beautiful. Um, I will Please. be on your show sooner than later, I hope. Yeah. All right. Cool. cool. Signing out. Signing out. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.